folks, Katie and I are excited to talk about today's topic because it's something that we are, it's, I should say, it's a thought process and an exercise that we are utilizing in very real time. This is something that we're kind of going through on a daily basis right now, me especially. So I'm going to speak to how I use this uh, thought exercise, this tool to try to process fear, maybe even potentially, potentially anxiety, <laughs> stress, uh, so that I, hopefully I can sleep better, I can be more at peace in our home, and I can just be an all-around better guy. Definitely, hopefully a better father and a better husband. Uh, and also, this is kind of a fun episode. It's like a throwback because we're actually not doing video for this episode. So, Wait, you're stealing my lines. We were just supposed to do okay, the intro. Okay, sorry. Sorry, I'll see the intro. Let's get the, let's go. We'll head into the introduction music right now. The Now That We're a Family Podcast. Okay, well, Elisha stole my thunder here, but it feels like the good old days because one, it is way too late at night mm. and we are recording without any video on. Yes. This was, it, I, you know, I, I thought that I was going to be able to say our video guy, who's awesome, Luke, was having his baby. And so we basically planned on not doing video for this episode a few, like a couple days ago. Uh, but Luke texted yesterday. He's like, hey, like, you know, when are you going to get me the episode so that I can get that thing edited and uploaded? And I was like, wait, there's no baby yet. He's like, no, we're still waiting. But at that point, it was kind of too late to do video. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny thing is, is, you know, the way babies come is if we were... How do they come? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Meaning sometimes it takes a long time for them to come. It's like we could potentially have like three video list episodes. Sure. We were going to try to make this week a little bit lighter for our awesome video guy. Uh, but that said, next week we're back in the saddle of video. Uh, no matter what. But this is, this is like you said, a throwback because for what, the first two years of the podcast, we would be up bleeding our eyeballs out the night before the podcast was supposed to be posted. Yeah, That's which we're is doing. right now, like waiting to the last minute yeah, if having, we don't have someone keeping us accountable. Exactly. That's what I was going to say is our video guy has really kept us. Well, I mean, we put him on the spot because we get it to basically we make him bleed through the eyeballs the night before. The episode goes live by the time we get in the episode. Uh, but today, yeah. And also, I mean, you look as beautiful as ever, Katie, even though the cameras aren't rolling. Uh, but I am definitely casual tonight. I like it. You're like in your Ghostbusters tank top, your comfy swim shorts. These are not swim shorts. They're basketball shorts. Okay. Well, they look like swim shorts to me. Yeah. I feel like swim shorts are not very comfortable unless you're swimming. <laughs> you're right. They're like cardboard on guys. Okay, well, you've gone swimming in those shorts before. Thank you. Uh, enough with the pre <laughs> pre ramble. You. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Thank you. Shut up. No, that's okay. not. That's not what I what I meant. I didn't mean to say it like that. Uh, I really wanted to not forget to thank so many of our listeners oh, for yes. helping. Actually, I was going to try to pull up some names here now that I think about it because oh, there were so many so people many. that emailed us copies of or like downloads of our old podcasts that had been lost in transition when we transitioned platforms, you know, our hosting platforms. And because I was actually pretty dang devastated. I think there were like a total of 57 episodes that I thought were gone forever. 
I could not find them anywhere on any hard drives. When we tried transferring them over, they just, they, they were all dead. Um, and so I was pretty devastated because that was a lot of content to lose. Uh, Lots of like, hours of staying up to things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and then people would also ask about those episodes. They'd be like, yeah. hey, I'm trying to play this episode, but it won't let me play. And I was like, oh, what a bummer. And it's so funny because I didn't even, we were close to not even mentioning it on the podcast because we were like, well, who's going to have, you know, episodes from two and a half years ago downloaded or know where to find them? And what's crazy is I think we were able to salvage over 50, I think 51 episodes you guys are 57. awesome. The moral of the story is we have the best listeners. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for going out of your way to send us downloads and allow us to piece together that giant hole on our podcast from two years ago. It's just so cool and we couldn't have done it without you guys. So thank you guys so much. Yeah, I was so blown away. I spent like all day, like a giddy boy. I can't remember which day that was, just compiling all those lost episodes and getting them re-uploaded. Um, yeah, so I think there's only like six more episodes that are gone. So keep up the good work, guys. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. We're so thankful <gasps> for all did, the lost episodes. Where did they start? Can you remember the first one? The first one of what? That was gone, that was found. Oh, what? Like, what's, so, like if people are just listening, what was kind of the range oh, of numbers that was lost? Oh, roughly maybe episode like 11 and then up through 70 something, but there were some that were not lost in that too. Does okay. that make sense? Okay. Um, anyways, yeah. Thank you. That's what we just really wanted to say thank you. To yeah. I feel like if you're going to start saying names, it like. We're going to miss somebody. And well, yeah, because we've had like dozens and dozens of yes. people message me and text me and yes. email you. Yes. So thank you. Thank you to all of you people for doing that. That was yeah. so thoughtful of you all. Okay. Today, Katie, are you going to tell them what we're talking about? Um, fear mongering. Fear, fear mongering, huh? <laughs> I didn't know we were going to talk about fear mongering. Okay, no, you say it. Fear, fear flying. Fear casting. Fear casting. Fear casting. Or yeah, fear, that's it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I hope to be no fear monger. Um, I feel like that's a King James reference, is it not? Fear mongering. I yeah. don't know. I mean, I, I feel like people, people use, use it. I people feel like I've heard term? it. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, basically, I've been. I've had a history of not sleeping at nighttime very well at all. Um, maybe for like the last 15 years, really since I was an adult, I don't really re remember being a good sleeper. Um, I would go through seasons and stretches where I would sleep well, but in general, from the time I was maybe like 16 or 17 until now, uh, I've, I've gone, I've not, I've, and a lot of times I've even dreaded going to bed just because of how much, uh, I've like anxiety that's come from, uh, yeah, insomnia, I guess, you know, just not being able to sleep through, you know, a, a six hour stretch or a four hour stretch. Um, and even in our marriage, there's been ups and downs within my sleep. Would you say Katie, like there's been some yeah, good stretches. As long as I've known you. I think before we got married, I like, I'm a good sleeper, I guess. And I didn't even know there was such a thing as like, not sleeping. And so I feel bad because I think early on in our marriage, I'd be like, well, you're drinking too, co you're drinking coffee too late. Or like, mm. you just need to like, you know, not be on the computer after seven o'clock or something. You know, sure. I like really tried to fix it and thought it was really simple and straightforward. Which are all good things to do. Oh, Those are yeah, really good practices. It wasn't until, I don't know, maybe a couple years into our marriage where I started picking up the patterns of, oh, during more stressful times, 
your thoughts just race at night and it's really hard to shut them down. Yeah. And to your point about the caffeine or the being on a screen, oftentimes it is something that simple and practical that triggers a really bad stretch of sleeping. Does that make sense? It, it might be traveling really late at night or staying up really late recording a podcast or, <laughs> um, or being on a screen too late and then boom, it just kind of like gets the, and I might do it just that one time, but it kind of sets the, the negative pattern into motion. Anyways, uh, yeah, we've had our ups and downs and it's certainly affected you, you know, like very negatively as well because you came into our marriage being a great sleeper, a sound sleeper. You could really count on like from laying your head on your pillow and sleeping until you had to wake up right? Yeah. Well, I'm laughing because one, I would rather, I mean, my sleep has greatly improved since being able to sleep with you. So I would say that first of all, (laughs) second of all, I enjoy not being by myself. You know, I feel so much safer in bed with you Hmm. and like, I just sleep so sound. I've like, haven't had a single nightmare since getting married. So just like, Oh, Elisha's there and he'll take care of it. He has all the stress for me. So there's that. Um, but then the other thing I was just laughing because I was remembering after I think Lucy was born and I was like, yeah, I'm just really tired. Like I'm not getting any sleep. And a gal was like, Oh yeah, well it's hard, you know, having two little kiddos. And like in my mind, I was thinking like the kids sleep through the night. (laughs) It's Elisha that doesn't sleep through the night. Yes. I know I feel bad many times, especially when, you know, you're having a busy season and I'm keeping you up through the night. But that actually is awesome to hear that you haven't had any nightmares since being married. No. And I used to, because my, I have a really big imagination and Mm. things used to set off me getting scared by random things. Mm. And then just like, you know, the whole like adult version of thinking a monster's under the bed. Sure. Like the grown up version of that is kind of where my brain would go. And I just don't do that anymore because got your muscles right there well that's honestly i'm inspired that's a testament to uh the my my muscles because (laughs) i uh i think you've watched like more scary movies than ever before when you're than before you're married yeah i hadn't seen a single like pg-13 movie i couldn't see anyone get shot i couldn't see anything or i would just like have nightmares about it for a long time Mm, wow so i I don't have that anymore. Yeah. Uh, and so we're not, yeah, I'm not here to talk about, I'm not a sleep expert, clearly. Uh, I would love, <laughs> I would love it if I had an expertise in that area. But the point in me bringing up my inability to sleep very effectively is because in a recent season, really, that I'm kind of, I've been in really recently, um, I've just felt like I've had more uh, categorical areas of stress than I ever had before. Um, and again, this is all relative to our, our circumstances, right? Everybody's circumstances are different and somehow you find a way to find things to get worried about or stressed about regardless of how much better your circumstances are than the rest of the world or how much better your circumstances are than they were two years ago or whatever. Uh, cause I could objectively say my circumstances are, I, I wouldn't trade places with anyone. And yet I find myself, you know, at three in the morning, everything seems like a big deal but I was telling Katie earlier, I was like, but the category, like the, the, the list of categories seems bigger than ever. Like there seems like there's relational stress that will just send me into a spiral. There's, of course, you know, the classic like business stress or maybe health or just the events of our world or de- upcoming decisions that we need to make for our family. And I could 
any one of those, or even just like f- funny. I was just I mentioned like my jujitsu tournament. I was gonna you know? say I think the jujitsu <laughs> tournament honestly is the big one, and it's making everything else seem stressful. I think uh, once that's over this weekend, we're gonna get some good. I'm not sleep gonna back. lie. I am. I am having a hard time not regretting signing up for this tournament because I would have not ever anticipated had I known the level of stress that this would brought into my life. I would. There's no way I would have signed up for this. It reminds me so much like leading up to triathlons or something where you're, you love the training, you're like, this is so fun. But then once you actually get a race on the calendar, it just hypes up the stress all, all the more. Anyways, I was telling Katie, I was like, but you know what's so cool is that I feel like I can go through this exercise that we've done before, this fear casting exercise um, that I think we actually first learned about in that one book, the book that we've talked about, the four-hour work week, oh, which yeah. we like recommend you know, loosely because it's not a Christian book and there's some... I think there's some off-color stuff here and there in the book. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'd recommend it. Ever? Yeah. No, but you can read it if you want. Anyways, so how does the fear how does the fear casting work, Katie? I want to hear from you. <laughs> I, I hate I don't like hearing my voice this much. This has been quite the long monologue. Okay, well, I filmed during the kids' entire nap time and then spent this evening editing my voice so i've heard myself for about six hours talking wow wow yeah so lucky you i'm enjoying hearing yours i need to hear more of that voice so we were talking about what were you oh fear casting so basically the concept and i was super stoked that you did this elisha this afternoon is you started by going out and just writing down everything on your mind Yes. And everything, because when things are just in our brain and they're bumbling around, it can all seem very daunting and gray and hard to tell. Is it the same thing circling around in there as fast as it can? Or are there like 20 things? You know, it's just overwhelming. So you said you wrote it down on paper and then you started envisioning the worst case scenario to each of those things. And this sounds like a very depressing or scary or like the thing you wouldn't want to do it's what what's the word i'm looking for it's like you know it's not what you your gut like, tells it's you like to counterintuitive do. yeah counterintuitive that's it it's counterintuitive but it's actually incredibly freeing yeah it is kind of fun going through as best as your imagination lets you worst case scenarios and it might it might seem interesting to do it even well, actually, you know what, before I get to that, because that is exactly right what I did, Katie Babe, I'd say one of the most helpful things was just writing down, you know, the list of, like you said, 20 to 30 things of maybe a conversation that I needed to have or me, me fearing that somebody received something that I had already said the wrong way, you know, a relationship that I really cared about. I was like, oh, I wonder if they took that the wrong way. And here I am 10 days later still, you know, just questioning whether or not I phrased what I said the right way. Um, and then getting in, like I said, to every other category, but I actually broke these down into categories. And I do think that that fear casting thing can be helpful to each one of these categories, but I do think that they're, for me, I formed definitely like a hierarchy when it came to the, the, the stresses in my life. And I have four different categories and one, the first one, I, I actually named these, so I'm going to go ahead and tell you the names of all four categories. Well, I was going to yeah. this is a lot more like constructed than I initially thought. Yeah, so category number one is grow up, man. Okay. <laughs> category number two is relationships or bust. Category three is buddy, make a decision. And then category four is 
four foot world. Okay. Wow. So <laughs> over the three foot world. Is that dang it? I, I couldn't remember what it was. <laughs> okay. It's the three foot world, three man. Three foot world. Okay. Three Maybe it was because it was my fourth point, so I thought for sure it was four foot world. Okay. You know, I think it's good. I think the mm. seals would prefer if you just claimed the four foot world. Yeah, I created my own category. <laughs> we heard that term. We were watching like a Navy SEAL movie or something, and they would always say like three foot world, three foot world. Three I thought it was world. four foot world, but no. I was I almost said six foot world, but I was like, no, that's like the COVID stuff. It's like you have to have your six foot world. Okay. And also, before I even jump into these categories, I do want to emphasize the importance of God's word when it comes to things like stress. I mean, I was convicted even when I was halfway going through this exercise that I didn't start with, you know, Philippians uh, 4, actually I should pull this up, Philippians 4, 6 says, you know, be anxious for nothing, but with prayer and supplication, make your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guide and keep you. And so it's like first and foremost, middle of the night, middle of the day, when a stress comes, that needs to be our first, as Christians, our first you know, response is going to the Lord in prayer. And, and, I, and, and it was in the middle of this exercise, I stopped and I did that. And that in and of itself like put, give, puts everything into perspective. Mm-hmm. Because, and that's why I actually created the category after that. Because it's like you know, 90% of all these anxieties just from, having, just from shifting my eyes on myself in this world to the Lord and what he's done and having an internal perspective, like 90% went away just like that, you know? And I mean, obviously he's sufficient to make hundred percent go away too, but I'm just saying that in that moment, only, only 90%, the 10% I had to figure out how to get rid of. No, that's not what I meant, but I think you know what I'm saying. It's just yes. like, it automatically goes away without you even like questioning. And that's, that's so true to like God's word in general. Like he turns the whole, you know, money, money's a thing. It's like when God talks about money, he talks about it in a totally different realm than us. You're just like, render to Caesars the things that are Caesars. Or saying like, store for yourself not treasures here on this earth, but treasures up in heaven. For where your heart is, or for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Whoa, Katie's giving me the calm down hands. Are you I'm, kidding me I'm right now, Katie? I'm not giving you the calm down hands. I'm giving you the slow down hands. Oh, okay. So what's different between the calm down hands and the slow down hands? Because they look very similar. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I should slow down. I feel like when we're on video... I talk slower? You talk slower. Oh. And then when it's audio, you speed up. Because that just felt so reminiscent of like two years ago when we didn't do the video and I would do that all the time. I know. That's what I thought too. I was like, this is, really is a throwback. Katie's giving me the calm down buddy hands. <laughs> I'm starting to talk too fast. Okay. Uh, also just uh, in regards to like money and perspective, it is kind of crazy how as Christians, like our value system just is different. And again, you can tell I've been in the gospels a lot because I'm going to quote once again from the gospels. But when Jesus is talking about uh, telling people to fast. And he's like, when you do fast, don't be like the hypocrites who like, they like put ash on their face or something. They look all depressed. They look all hungry. Um, and, he, and he goes on to say, they have their reward. Mm-hmm. Like they, they do have their earthly reward, which is getting props from other people or people saying like, wow, look how religious they are or look how, you, look how high and mighty they are and how pious these people are. He goes, but instead you need to act entirely different. Like the reward that you have it's not of this world. It's a totally different reward. And I think just being able to fix my eyes on 
more so on God's value system versus the world's value system automatically makes a lot of those, that first category, like the grow up man category, go away. Because I'll list some of my categories here or some of the, some of the specifics to my categories. Okay, good, good. I want to hear. Okay, so. What's in your grow up man category? Yeah, grow up man category would be anything that I'm stressing about that has to do like with my ego or things that the Bible speaks specifically to like money. You know, like, like the Bible talks about like not stressing out about money. Mm-hmm. And when I find myself stressed out about money, it's like, oh, grow up like duh, like that, like the Bible tells me about that exact thing. And then with the ego thing, it's like, oh, stressing out about looking dumb in a certain situation, which would be like the jujitsu tournament, right? Or maybe some music stuff that I have coming up. Um, or maybe just, you know, a certain, like being in a, in different environments that I feel ill prepared for, or I'm stressing out about, it comes down to like my ego. It's like, okay, if this goes poorly, am I going to, is my family going to starve? Oh, am I going to, you know, die? No. It's like, okay, I'm going to feel stupid. That's what the fear is. You know, I'm going to be embarrassed. Grow up, man. Uh, it's an <laughs> ego thing. Really any fear of man. Thing. This is something that I admire so much about you though, Elisha, is because as long as we've been married, you always have your foot in one of those rings where you are, it's dangerous to your ego. Wow. And you continue putting yourself in those situations. And I think that's why you grow so much and you learn so many new capabilities and you've been so successful. Well, thank you. I mean, I appreciate that because I do as, as uncomfortable as it is, it's, it's become weirdly comforting to me every time I feel myself so capable of being so embarrassed. (laughs) Does that make sense? Because I'm able to look back and say, hey, those envir- those situations that I that I was either put in or that I put myself in, oftentimes did produce some of the greatest and most rewarding fruit in my life. Um, I mean, that's the classic like asking a girl to marry you. You know, it's like, okay, like is that worth it? Yes, that was worth it because I did that one time and she I said yes. I was gonna say, how many times did you do that? No, I'm I'm uh, batting a, hun- a thousand percent on that. So <laughs> yeah, thank goodness. Uh, so that's the grow up man category. Do you have any grow up man categories that you? Can, I mean, sorry, any specific uh, uh, instances for the grow up man category that you want to add to what I said? No, I thought that was really good. That was good? Okay. Yeah, let's um, hear your next category. Okay, so the next category is relationship, relationships or bust. And this one, to me, I think it's a little bit more foggy. This one's not as cut and dry like the grow up man ones because relationships can be messy. And as Christians, we're called to be in relationship with fellow brothers and sisters. We're even supposed to be out in the world with non-believers having relationship with them, obviously on a different level, but we need to be out in the world evangelizing, witnessing, you know, telling others about Christ. And so you can't just say, hey, grow up and don't care about the relationship. Mm-hmm. I do think there has to be an element of care when you think of some of the relational stresses in your life. Uh, because I think everybody's probably been tempted at some point to just say, ah, forget it, you know, forget yes. that relationship. Like it's not worth it when oftentimes it is most of the time it is worth it. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, have the conversation, you know, write the letter, send the text message, make the phone call, sort this out, you know, grab coffee and really get, get right with the person. I mean, it's obvious when it's like your spouse, it's like, come on, you know, get right with your spouse. But then as it grows from there, you know, people in your community, family members, 
anyone related anyone. for sure. They're going to be in your life forever. And that's something that Elisha and I have reminded ourselves of in moments of conflict with people who are related to us is it's like, this might seem like it's an easy relationship to just leave and move on from, mm, but in the moment, in the moment, oh. but it's not, it's wow. a lifetime. And so it's, it's different than maybe a friendship and you're close in high school and then you're never going to see that person again. This person's a part of who you are. Yes. And so it's very important to do what you can with those relationships because they're there forever. But that said, I don't want to put any more pressure on you because I think a lot of the fears that you have, Elisha, are not necessarily founded on something. It's maybe what you think someone else in the relationship might think of you, right? Well, I It's think not it, like you're purposely have done anything to... That's exactly right, Katie, which leads me to one of my points okay, in the okay. second category, and that is being a people pleaser versus being, oh, I didn't know what the verse, I don't know what the verse is being a people pleaser is. It's like, I don't know, a caring person. Um, but being a people pleaser, I think has a negative connotation for a reason, is that you are seeking somebody's approval or their kindness or their affirmation really for your benefit more so than for theirs. And when I actually broke down some of these relational stresses and I was like, okay, this is actually more about how I'm, I feel or how I think they're perceiving me versus how they're actually doing and how they're feeling about the relationship. That's good. And so that right there eliminated a lot of the stress. It kind of put some of those things in the grow up man category, even though it, it was a different category because they're relational, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, but I mean, it sounds like anything you can get into the grow up man category is like a load off your mind. It is. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I yeah, I, after this, I should probably just make a filter and the goal is to get all these things to the grow up man category. <laughs> uh, so yeah, any, any other comments on the relationship or bust category? No, I think that's really profound what you said there at the end, identifying what am I, what is a stress because of how I want to be viewed versus am I really doing this out of love and care for the other person? Yeah. It's nice because that can alleviate a, a lot of burden. And also a lot of times even being willing to accept relational stress or, or relational discord or discord, relational uh, tension, tension, like accept that if it's for the well-being of your family, right? Like you don't want the stress of an old high school friend to all of a sudden and, and have the care for that supersede, you know, your wife and your kids and have all of a sudden that start occupying all your conversations and everything that you guys are, start revolving around that. It's like, no, you know what? The buddy from high school needs to take a back seat to my marriage. And that's not saying that that guy doesn't, isn't valuable to me or it's not, you know, worth seeking resolution in. And this is all hypothetical, just so you know. All my all my high school friends out there listening, we're good, okay? We're good, guys. <laughs> Did you have any high school friends? <laughs> uh, anyways, okay. Uh, I'm going to go on to the third category. Okay. Uh, moving on. Yeah, moving on. So the third category is buddy. Make a decision. And this is really where that fear... Uh, what did I call fear it? Fear casting. Fear casting comes into play big time because, the, yeah, the you know paralysis by analysis is such a factor that it can that can lead to anxiety and it can lead to stress and sleepless nights for me. And it's crazy how when you when I go through this this fear casting tool with like basically looming decisions in our life, 
It's so restful. It's so peaceful. And so this is really where I think that that tool that you referenced at the beginning, Katie, is so helpful. When you've got decisions that need to be made regarding, for us right now, regarding business, um, regarding maybe some some tr- some commitments that, uh, you know, that summer's coming. You know how summers work. Everybody starts getting married in the summer. There's always family reunions. There's You're getting invited every which we way. We have two family reunions and four marriages so far, four cousins getting married. That's crazy. As of the second. Yeah. And that's not counting like. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. Don't, don't mention the other one. Yeah. The surprise. What's the other one? The surprise. Oh. Yeah. Okay. okay. Come I on. Come on. Wait. Oh, anything. I thought you were. I thought that's what you were about to I say. I feel like you just blew it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> we hope. <laughs> I okay. Do hope. So, Elisha. What about the, let's give them an example of how this works. How does the fear casting work? So give me something that's maybe not too personal that we can, or, or um, hypothetical. That hypothetical. We could okay. Uh, boy. Okay. How about this? Our, our roof needs to be redone. Is this a good example? Sure. It's yeah. a good example. Okay. So our roof is like bad. It's not a nice roof. It's one of the worst roofs I've ever seen here in Coeur d'Alene. And, we need to make a decision on whether or not to have that re-roofed now or to like keep saving money and have it re-roofed or just to wait and try to sell the house with a bum roof. I and Yeah, I, I think it's sell the house with a bum roof or get it replaced right now. Yeah, or get it replaced right now. And I've been kicking this decision down the road for months. I mean, this has been like an ongoing discussion. And you think like it'll someday it'll be fun to spend that money on your roof, which in reality, doesn't improve your quality of life that much. I think that's why it's such a bummer because, I mean, you know, mad respect for people that put roofs on buildings because it's really important. But we won't, we wouldn't feel the difference really in our life because it's not it's like not we've got, yet. it's not like leaking, you know, and if it does, we could move some buckets around and we'd still probably keep doing the same thing that we're doing now. The point is you're spending a bunch of money and you don't feel it like affects your quality of life that much. And so I've just been avoiding this decision and yet three in the morning when I'm not sleeping, I'll sit there contemplating it. And it's like, bro, make a decision and move on. So in this case, the fear casting with this is like, okay, worst case, what's the worst case scenario? Like we spend money that like, well, we wouldn't spend money that we don't have, but we spend money and we like what? Then the money's in the house and the housing market like drops a lot. We're not able to get that money back out of it. It's like, well, we still need to live somewhere. So then we're living in it. We, so we'd have to stay here and live here. And we want a nice roof on our house. And you can kind of go through the list. Yeah. So, and that's not like a huge risk or anything. Like basically we just need to get the roof fixed. But we have done this with decisions that seem a little bit more daunting. Like maybe a big, <laughs> don't roll your eyes at me. Like maybe a big, like moving into the trailer, for instance. Mm. That was really big. Yeah. And the worst case scenario kind of happened. But the nice thing is, is... It wasn't a big, I don't know. That was a big deal. So, okay, let's take this example. Moving here to Coeur d'Alene. So okay. we're moving to a place where we have no family. We, it's, we're moving to a town we've never lived in before. And so Elisha and I had a lot of, you know, pain motivating us because we were living in the trailer. But it was also like, okay, this was keeping us up at night. Like, this is a big risk. And when we actually played that risk out, 
we were able to play through the worst case scenario. So like how long would it take us to get back to where we were? Mm. So say we buy this house and we move to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and we hate it. We hate being away from family and we're lonely and it's just not working out. And the house like has rats in it or something. Then how long would it take for us to get back to where we were? Well, we were starting in a trailer, so. (laughs) Yeah, living on my dad's property. And I think he was... I think it's still like an open invite up there. Yeah. So. so that was really comforting for us making this decision, being like, you know what? We could sell the house. We could take a loss on the house. We could end back up here in the trailer and be just fine. Let's make the move. Yeah. So it really helped us make the decision in the moment. And we ended up loving it here. Uh, but this could be really helpful for, you know, like a job change. We've done this with job changes too. How long would it take us if this job doesn't work out to continue earning the same amount of money or to get back to where we were at. Yeah. Or if we we make this purchase right now, how long, like, okay, we, we pay for the roof. How long would it take us to build up that money in savings? Hmm. Um, or something like that. And then it's like, oh, well, that's not a very big deal. Let's just do it. Yes. And by actually, you would think it would seem really daunting to think through a worst case scenario, but often, the unknown worst case scenario is way larger than life in our brains. And when we actually play out the worst case scenario and think, okay, well, how long, if everything goes wrong, would it take us to get back to where we are today? It's not a big deal. Mm. And we've, we've done this a lot in business with launching new products and stuff like that. Like, okay, if, if we do this and it's a total fail, how long will it take us to get back to where we are today? Yes. It's like, well, Maybe a little bit of our pride was hurt because it didn't work out like we wanted yes. it to. Our time. Our time. Some money. Yeah, but it's like it it never, <laughs> at least in our experience, it's never actually been a big enough risk that it would just set us back indefinitely. Yeah, and we've... Or, or in a huge way. We've had a lot of those things not go well. Oh, yeah, totally. And, and sure enough, you always get back to where you're at. And you're like, oh, okay, well, that, you know, we like, we learned something there. Yeah, and you learn things. And this is really encouraging. Whenever you read a book of someone who's been really wealthy or has made a huge fortune, I have never read one of those books where they haven't lost a huge fortune along the way as yeah. well. Isn't that crazy? And, and, cause, those who kind of win big risk big Mm. and that's not my style i'm not a big risk win risk risk huge win huge kind of person i'd rather just kind of be consistent over time yeah i guess big risk is all relative sure because we've taken a lot of risk but it's encouraging to see like oh and then they got back to where they were because you already kind of know how to get back to where you are you've done it once you could do it again and then they grow past that Mm. Well, that's so good. There's so much confidence comes from experiencing that. Mm-hmm. It, there's like and knowing you can come back. Yes, it's so hard to put a price tag on the confidence of being like, okay, well, we got we got back to here, we survived. Let's keep moving forward, and then the next opportunity or the next decision that you need to make becomes far less daunting when you realize you're capable of getting back to your current state pretty pretty quickly. You know, yes. yeah, that's such a great, that's the, that's really the question that needs to be asked is if everything goes terribly wrong, worst case scenario, how long would it take for us or for me to get back to where I'm at right now? And this has also helped us in relationships because we just had a conversation where we were talking about certain relationships and we were starting to get pretty stressed out about the health of that relationship and 
but when we really thought of it, we're like, okay, this relationship is long on the course of this long life. Say this all, you know, the person did take that all the wrong way. And Mm. we really are in the doghouse. How long would it take for us to show this person that we truly love them, that this is what we mean, that we care for them, that we do anything for them. And it's like, okay, so first of all, we don't even know if that person took that the wrong way. Maybe we're all good. And this is all, you know, made up in our minds, but say it wasn't, we have a lifetime to prove ourselves and this would not take very long at all. Yeah. We can go out of our way a little bit and just make sure that that relationship's healthy. Yes. So this can be really helpful on a lot of levels. That's so good, Katie, babe. That's such a great example. Uh, Thank you for that. Okay. Yeah. So the fourth category is, uh, yeah, four foot world. So I'm just going to keep it four foot world because it's my own category. (laughs) Okay. Uh, And this, I really put into... You know, I would get stressed out about maybe world events, about things that are happening in our country, about things that are happening maybe economically, about things that are happening with, you know, food distribution or food shortages or politics and wars. And I'd be laying in bed stressed, stressed about that. And it's crazy because, well, actually, Katie and I don't, we don't consume very much news at all. Um, and so we're pretty usually out of touch with what's like currently going on, but I actually, I shouldn't say we're out of touch because we're extremely intentional on when and how we consume the news. And I've found myself being more and more and more strict on when and how I consume any news, if any, if any at all, like, so, so where are you getting all this news then? So it sounds like you're pretty informed with the state of the world. Yeah, it's like... And it's just it'll be Is it even, NPR? Even, no, it's not even NPR. It's it's like on Christian radio, they still will talk about events. Does that make sense? Why are you, you listen, looking at Because like you listen to NPR. I listen to 50-50 Christian radio <laughs> and NPR. Yeah, People are going to lose it. Listen NPR. to NPR. Like, oh, that's the NPR. I like, listen, uh, obviously their worldview and my worldview are not aligned at all. But as far as like production value goes, that's the NPR is awesome. Like the music they have on there, the different segments they have for their shows. It's also interesting to hear things from different perspectives. It is. Oh yeah. It's, it's way interesting. Um, yeah. I would love to have like a Christian version of NPR. That's like so artsy, just so well produced. Um, anyways, that's my, that's my little defense of why every once in a while you'll get in the car <laughs> and NPR will be on. Um, <laughs> Alicia Peter. So I just, I started looking at reality, like to take NPR. It's like, okay, I would leave my office where I went to an office space and it's like 12 minutes to drive there to our house usually. And I would be stoked out of my brain when I'm done at work. And I call Katie. I'm like, hey, I'm heading home. Like, oh, awesome. Cool. Like, do you want to go for a walk when you get home? Like, yes, go for a walk when I get home. And depending on what was on the radio between in that 12 minutes could totally sour my mood. And I would come home and I would almost, I would be like a different person than when I left sometimes. Sometimes, you know, if I like it was an interesting, you know, show or there was an interesting part of a segment, I'd be like, oh, and I'd be in the same good mood. And I we'd get home, we'd go for a walk. But I was like, boy, why would I put myself in that position to have my mood soured just in this like 10 or 12 minute stay, stretch of from leaving the office to coming home? I'd way rather choose to dwell on things that are going to put me in the right frame of mind for my four foot world when I get home, which is my wife, my children, 
the neighbors that I'm going to talk to on the street. And so if I could listen to something that's edifying, maybe not listen to anything at all, maybe just pray, maybe listen to some good old country music and Tim McGraw can let me know what I should be dwelling on, then I'll be able to come home and be the man and the husband and the father that I feel like I, I need to be in a practical way. And the crazy thing is about when you look at the four-foot world, then it's crazy because our home is such a happy place. And you look outside and the kids are jumping on the trampoline and they're having fun and they're growing up and our needs are are met and we have a happy marriage, you know, and it's just, it's a happy place to be, but we can bring in so much stress from outside that isn't even ours to carry, um, you know, and bring it into that space where it's affecting those relationships and it's affecting our home. But the only way it's affecting it is because we're dwelling on it, not necessarily because it's, it's changing anything in and of itself. That's right. And again, actually, Katie, remember when I, I I wanted to make this a virtue that I tracked, I I was reading about how I think it was Benjamin Franklin, or I don't know, I think it was Benjamin Franklin that tracked different virtues that he wanted to, uh, I guess, walk in on a regular basis. And I think he had 11 or 12 virtues that he really cared about. And one of his virtues was to not engage in, uh, conversation uh, in like trivial arguments or something like that. Yeah. Like not, not, it's something like that, not to engage in some like petty quarrels with people. Um, and I don't know why that gave me the idea. I was like, I don't want to can, but I basically, one of my virtues that I wanted to come up with that I did come up with actually, cause I'm going to say it. <laughs> Is, is I don't. A coined term or it's something? like I don't want to actively listen or consume media that sours my mood. If I if I'm in control of it, and souring my mood is far different than getting just enough information to pray about or getting just enough information to take action on. Mm-hmm. Souring my mood usually comes from dwelling on it or really, you know reading another article about it or getting somebody else's perspective on it. And I will tell you what, it is crazy how I will make myself feel pious and virtuous when I get like read a Christian worldview on a really bad topic, like a really bad event, a really sad, a really, you know, provocative event. If it's like a Christian worldview, I'm like, oh, this is good. I need to read this worldview. It's like, wow, I just filled my head with more about this bad topic than I ever would have, even though I'm saying, oh, it's from a Christian worldview. This is really important. And it's like, no, you don't need to educate yourself that much, even if it's on a, from a Christian worldview. And I think I do this. I think we're just as humans, we're prone to doing this. Like it makes us feel important. It makes us feel like we're going to be able to add value. But what I think I need to be able to do in my life is get just enough information to take action on. And that action can be as simple as praying. Well, I shouldn't say simple because praying is the best thing we could do. Um, Or, you know, just having one conversation or writing one check or buying, you know, running to Costco and buying extra food. I mean, I think that we both experienced a lot of peace when there was stress around food stuff, when we just got enough information to go take action. Like, sweet, boom, Mm -hmm. we're going to go do something about this. And then we moved on with our life. Yeah, I really liked that concept of not consuming information to sour your mood. Yes. And, yeah. Folks, thank you so much for listening. Katie, any closing thoughts? No, that was it? No, that was it. Cool. Awesome. Thank you all so much, folks. We'll talk to you next week. Yes, love you guys. Bye-bye.